Hi, everyone. Great to have you with us as always for the governance update for the very last time as part of VLGA Connect Summer Series. Stephen Cooper joining us live from the prom? Um, Melbourne, Chris. I haven't <laughs> left prom at all. Oh, what? <laughs> and who knew? And let me just say, it's very chilly here today. <laughs> so there's yeah. no summer attire. Uh, if, I don't feel like we've had summer, Steve, to be no. honest. Yeah. Okay. No, so three but, days. So you haven't had your laptop stuck in the gum tree? No, it was a ruse. I feel duped. I, I I'm feel sure. <laughs> if you're Seriously. duped by that, Chris Eddy, I worry about your cybersecurity and other things. <laughs> All right. All seriousness. We are going to talk about um, some uh, some information that's come out this week in a study into the life of council CEOs from another part of Australia. Um, mm. We might also, if you'll indulge me, talk a little bit about uh, some of what's come out of the LG Pro conference that's been held this week, Steve, which you were a part of, and thank you. But I do hear footsteps approaching, and that means it is our monthly chat with Hannah Duncan-Jones from local government Victoria on the way. And, Steve, here's Hannah Duncan-Jones now joining us, as she does every month, from local government Victoria. Hi, Hannah. Hey, how's it going? It's really good to be here again. And great to have you too. And I've got to say, it was great to see you personally face-to-face -face a few weeks ago when we were able to hold the LG Pro Annual Awards Ceremony. And thank you again for local government Victoria's support of that. But it was good to catch up and, uh, and see you in the flesh, so to speak. Um, absolutely. It was a fantastic event. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was um, just lovely to be out and about and talking to people. Indeed it was. Everyone uh, echoed those those sentiments and we got it in just before the five-day lockdown came in too, so the timing was pretty good. So uh, Local Government Act 2020 implementation continues and uh, you have the responsibility of overseeing that in your director role there at LGV. Um, code of conduct is a pretty important task for councils and they were meant to be in place by earlier this week. Um, that's right. So the 24th was the date where all councils needed to adopt the code that incorporated the mandatory standards of conduct. Um, and we're pretty pleased with um, what we see across the sector in terms of succeeding in meeting that really, really important milestone, the first really big milestone for um, each and every council across the state. Um, it will be a trigger now for those councils that have adopted it to be brought into the new arbitration process um, in relation to um, anything that may arise, but let's hope that nothing does arise because there's been a great process around developing their codes and um, values and behaviours have been discussed and looked at um, and people will have those front of mind whenever they're um, relating to each other and their community. So not to put you on the spot too much, Hannah, but to your knowledge, has everyone got their code of conduct in place in accordance with the ACT timelines? We're not quite there, but it's a very small number who haven't. All right, enough said. Uh, Steve, uh, what are you hearing out and about about the code? Because you've been doing some training on it, of course. I have, Chris, and I think um, I've heard what Hannah's heard, that, um, yeah, most councils are happy that they've got over the line. Um, a lot are acutely aware that they haven't spent as much time as they would have liked on that informal resolution process, hopefully to avoid 
having to go into arbitration on issues. Um, and I'd be expecting a lot of councils to go over the next months and years to go back to their codes and refine them because, of course, they can. Now, the next uh, item on the list is the community engagement policy. Uh, coming up Monday, the 1st of March, is the due date to have that in place? It certainly is. Um, so, yes, um, look, we've been um, doing some looking around to see where councils are up to. We reached out to um, councils who attended our last LGB Connects who were suggesting that perhaps they weren't quite on track with it to um, make contact with us to see if we could help in any other way. Um, we'll, be, we'll be running the numbers, but um, certainly when I look around on um, websites and on social media, I can see lots and lots of councils have been out there engaging on their community engagement policy. Critical part of the process. Um, it's you know, setting the framework for how you will engage in the future and that's really important that the community have a say in that. So um, been seeing some interesting um, approaches to that. So that's exciting. Um, so I'm really excited about the way that it seems the sector are picking up and running um, with this particular activity. So yeah, very exciting stuff. Good to hear. Um, as you say, two very significant tasks early in the piece. So what's next for you now in terms of what you're watching brief is on the implementation process? Um, so look, we did do LGV, LGV Connects on the um, strategic planning and reporting framework and um, we'll be continuing to work in that space. And again, thank ThinPro for their work in relation to the model budget and associated documents that have been um, released or about to be released. Um, and um, I think that one of the things that we're really looking at now is, is that um, how did the candidate training go, go? Because it was the first time it was a mandated requirement. So we'll be undertaking a review of that. We'll be seeking to engage with everybody who undertook the training. Um, we'll also engage with the Project Control Board and through LGV Connects um, later in March in relation to that. And um, look, we just want to make sure that um, it meets people's requirements, that it's not a barrier to participation, but it does help people fully understand um, you know, what the role of a councillor is, that there is some things that they need to know before they, they sign on the line to be a candidate um, and hopefully move through to be a successful um, uh, councillor. So um, really important piece of work. We'd like to have um, that review undertaken and completed before our next um, elections, which are in October this um, year for South Gippsland. So Hannah, I guess the challenge in that is going to be how, how do you measure the level of understanding of the role of the councillor amongst those who've been elected to the role? <laughs> well, exactly. And um, so it'll be interesting to see whether we can see any um, kind of deviation in response between um, the people who weren't successful and those who were successful in relation to their understanding. But um, accessibility is also um, obviously a really key point. Were they able to access it? Did they get the support they needed if they needed support? Those sorts of things. Mm. Presumably, Hannah, there's that tension between um, the level of rigour in the candidate training and, as you said, not creating a barrier to entry and, um, and managing your way through that. Absolutely. I and mean, that is a, a very, very fine line that um, needs to be put forward <laughs> for training because, um, yeah, it's, you know, everybody has a right to, to participate in the democratic process. Mm. So it mustn't be a barrier, but it should be letting people be more aware about what the role may be, um, broaden the horizon than perhaps the, the one issue that they might be concerned with that has led them to be a, a candidate or think about being a candidate. Uh, now, a couple of news items I think you have for us this week. Personal interest returns. The sector can expect some advice on that very shortly. 
Absolutely. So we're updating our guidance on um, personal interest returns um, and we're also providing some guidance on the use of electronic signatures and they'll go out later today um, with implementation matters. Um, and just, you know, this is, if you need to use an electronic signature, this is how you can utilise it. Um, and just some tweaks to the, the guidance and the template for um, public interest returns. Um, so hopefully that um, all makes a lot of sense to people and will be um, well accepted and received. So it's about providing some parameters within which electronic signatures can be acceptably used. Am I understanding that correctly? That's, that's right, yep. Uh, I did note that there's some legislation on foot that would see an extension to the current provisions that allow councils to meet virtually under, under restrictions as they may be from time to time. Um, what's the timeline on that that you understand? Um, so the proposal is to extend the virtual meeting provisions until the 27th of April 2022. Um, there is no change to the provisions that are currently in there and that would be um, sunsetting on the 27th of April this year. Um, but it's providing that opportunity to continue to work virtually or in a hybrid um, arrangement for councils should there be any issues arising from the pandemic that they need to address that may be statewide as we saw with a five-day lockdown or it may be localised um, but let's not hope there's any localised outbreaks um, if, you know particularly in rural Victoria where um, you know the numbers have been very very low throughout. <laughs> Again not to put you on the spot Hannah and this might be one that uh, Steve might uh, prefer to comment on has there been any consideration or discussion yet about longer term, the flexibility of meeting perhaps even hybrid uh, sort of approaches to some councillors in the room, some councillors in a virtual location, just from the, just from the perspective of uh, expediency. Is, is that being thought about at this point? So look, it's certainly something that we're interested in, particularly in relation to a number of issues, um, gender equality, um, and some locational geographic type issues, also um, disability or ill health. Um, and so we'll be doing some thinking through on that in the coming months. So, Hannah, thank you. It's always good to chat. It's a busy space to be in, and we do appreciate you dropping in every few weeks to keep us updated. All the best. Thank you very much, and always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Hannah. I think I, think I heard the, the door shut. Um, always good to have Hannah um, giving us that information straight from uh, headquarters, uh, I guess we could call them, Steve. Um, so, big week this week. I must confess to being a tad tired. We've had uh, the big virtual conference the last three days for local government professionals, Victoria, LG Pro. Uh, and you were a part of that, Steve, with your session on Local Government Act reforms observations with a couple of very interesting folks. How did you find the experience of doing that, that panel session in a room with a camera, not really sure who's out there watching, listening? Well, first off, Chris, congratulations to you, to Liana and the, uh, Liana Thompson and the board and uh, the team at LG Pro for the virtual conference. It was um, it was a well-oiled machine in the studio there in the city, and I was delighted to be able to share a panel with Troy Edwards from the Municipal Association of Victoria and June Ernst, who's a member of the Governance Special Interest Group of LG Pro, but of course, um, a local almost down here at the prom uh, being. Uh, an employee of South Gippsland Shire. And so, yeah, we yarned about um, what's happened uh, with the Act so far and talked about some trends going into the future. Um, so in terms of the panel, it was a bit of a fishbowl. We just 
basically talked for three quarters of an hour until one of the LG Pro um, team gave us a very vigorous kind of wind it up, which we did. <laughs> Look, they do go very quickly. I was privileged to uh, moderate a panel of commissioners and we, we did talk about what's the collective noun. So I've decided to go with clutch. We had a clutch of commissioners, uh, Adam Fennessy, Dr. Nikki Vincent and uh, Roe Allen. Um, talking about how their roles intersect with local government, and particularly with the Gender Equality Act coming in, uh, yeah. some of the provisions of the Local Government Act with workforce planning. It was a fascinating conversation, but it just went so quickly. It, it was a good good panel. We had 45 minutes that just felt like five, to be, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Chris, one of the things that, um, in fact, Troy raised on, on our panel was what the future is for councils and, in particular, um, specialist governance personnel and how that's viewed in the organisation. We talked about the fact that there's a trend in the larger councils to um, engaging lawyers, but that in fact, as you know, the law is only part of the governance brief. Um, and we also talked about the way the rest of the organisation perceive and at times lean on uh, the governance team for advice. But if, there's, if there is not a pathway for governance personnel, that's that's really fraught. So strategically, I think from a risk point of view, I think for all councils, um, ensuring that they're skilled up in, in good governance um, in their team in whatever way um, works well for them is really important. So I don't necessarily prescribe a particular pathway, but there are some certain elements. Steve, you've just uh, reminded me of something. Have you got a sense of how many councils these days have uh, someone on staff with legal qualifications, almost the in-house counsel role. I know there's one or two, but I'm wondering if that's a trend or not. Oh, I think there's more than that, Chris. Um, look, I, I think I could think of um, 10 or a dozen um, right. if I sat down and sort of work, worked your way across the state. Um, so, and it is certainly over the last 10 years, a like a growing trend, because when you think about it, and Troy made the point, you know, there's not a cohort coming through RMIT every year um, receiving that kind of in-house training as well. So, you know, councils are having to look more broadly, but, you know, as we talked about, um, the legal element is only part of the job. All right. So thank you for that contribution to the conference and to those people who have the full conference registration, all of those sessions are available to watch back for the next month. And there's quite a few that I'd recommend. Bernard Salt being one, uh, Felicity Ward being another, and uh, just um, so many good uh, so many good speakers. The other thing I wanted to touch on, Steve, with you this week, I'm not sure if you've had a chance to read it out of Western Australia, a study that has found the role of the local government CEO is subject to job insecurity, conflict of interest, and harassment. Um, it's a research study that was done by the University of WA and RMIT, and they canvassed the views of 43 CEOs, some current, some departed, and it's really exposed. I think what we probably know uh, are some of the challenges of the role, but it's really put it in uh, stark focus. We've talked about that previously, Chris. We've talked about the fact that the local government inspectorate um, in 2019 saw fit to release a report. Uh, we've talked about, in fact, probably more so after the 2016 elections, that there was uh, an extraordinary turnover of CEOs and, in fact, that the life cycle of council CEOs um, is, is quite short. Um, and that report is really interesting. I thought one telling point, and there are exceptions, 
there are can't be sort of generally spoken, but CEOs reported that amongst the electorate at times there is a, a an absence of sort of strategic thinking, strategic planning, capacity to um, evaluate in a business-like manner, essentially um, an understanding of how a large organisation needs to function to operate effectively, those sort of board skills, if you like. Um, and that if, if between the elected and the administration, there's not a shared view of those really critical business elements, um, it's not surprising that there would be tension between councils and CEOs. And ultimately we know that it's the CEOs that often bear the brunt. So a real skilling up all round um, is probably a, a key messaging there. Um, you're right. Um, it, it does summarise the overall key tension being that council or CEO relationship, which to me, I don't think it really talks about it, underscores the importance of a CEO having good political awareness <laughs> and mouse. Being able to navigate that political sphere is so important. Often that's where you see it fails. Yeah, but and there's a tension too because the politics is required, but the role of the council, if the council lurches too far away from policy and strategy, into politics, it's going to be dysfunctional anyway. So these are really difficult high order skills that are required of the elected representatives, Chris. Something we could perhaps spend some more time on, Steve, more time than we have uh, today. But, uh, thank you for that. Now, we, we do have some exciting things coming in the very near future from, from the governance update as we move out of summer series. Are we allowed to talk about what's happening next week? I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what's talking about. What's happening next week. <laughs> next week. <laughs> You can tell this is very well planned, folks. Uh, VLGA Fast Track is happening oh, next, uh, next week in the in the city, and we're uh, you know, restrictions permitting. We're going to take the opportunity to try and do an in-person governance update. Absolutely, and we're wrapped at the VLGA with the uh, the registrations for VLGA Fast Track. We are stoked by the quality of the panels that we've got. And I'm really looking forward to a live face-to-face -face governance update, Chris. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to leave it there, Steve, and we'll, uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in the flesh next week. Might be just as well, Chris. <laughs> That's the governance update, folks. Thanks for, come, uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again uh, very, very soon. Bye for now.